So I'll be honest, this has been a whirlwind of a week for me. Uh, last week, you guys, if you were here, had Chad. Uh, Chad is a good friend of mine, has been a great friend for years. Um, and uh, everybody keeps asking, can we just hire him? If I could, I would. So stop asking, okay? Uh, I would in a heartbeat hire Chad. But uh, so Chad was here last week. Uh, I, got, I was on fall break, as many people are, got to go spend a week down in Florida. Got home late Thursday night. Uh, only to get up at 5 a.m. on Friday and get in a van with 12 guys and run 200 miles all across the state of Kentucky. Uh, I have an infected toe that hopefully does not have to be amputated, so I can barely walk right now. And uh, I've had zero sleep really since about Friday at 5 a.m., so uh, this should be fun today. And um, so I'm excited to be back with you guys. Lots of stuff going on as we talked about uh, the food trucks. Uh, if you guys didn't know, there's a food truck invasion going on in the park today from 12 to 5. Tons of food trucks. Uh, I was missing Fall Fest, but I hope you guys, I've heard it was a great event. Um, and so continued support for that over the years. But there's a food truck thing going on in the park across the street. We have our Thursday outdoor service this week at Shady Lane. Uh, and so if you want to participate in that, you can download the app. We're basically from 5 to 7, just going to have Shady Lane. You can go with your family. It's a private event just for journey people, but you can invite anybody you want. And then we'll have an outdoor service at 7 o'clock. And then we'll have our regular services on Sunday at 10 and 11, 15. But here's what I will say. Um, on my way back from Florida... Um, we were stopping in Alabama at Bucky's because you got to stop at Bucky's. And uh, we had been in the car since, I don't know, since about six of that morning, and we stopped at Bucky's. And I stepped out of the car, and immediately, here's what I realized it's fall, right? Like it was a 20 degree difference in temperature between where we had been and where we were going. And I love fall. I mean, it, it's obviously here. Um, I have a love hate relationship with fall um, because I do love the weather. Um, it's one of the, the best weather seasons, in my opinion. I love the changing of, of the colors on the, the um, trees. I love chili. I love chili. Um, I love football most weeks. Uh, not yesterday, but most weeks I do love football. And, um, but here's why it's a love-hate relationship. Because what fall signifies for me is not only this amazing couple of months that we get, but it also is an indication that winter is coming. And I hate winter. Like, I hate the cold. I, I, like, I wish it would snow on Christmas and then just turn 70 the next day. That's what I wish, and it never happens. But, um, but here's why. I, I know winter is coming, and I know it's coming fast. And the thing about fall is, to me, maybe more than any other season, it's that season of change, right? It's the season where not only do you feel it, but you see it. You can smell it, you can taste it, that something is changing. And it's a season, maybe more of anything, that it's coming. And also winter's coming. And it's right on the hills. And the reason I tell you all that is because I heard all of you ooh and all a second ago about we talk about how much we love fall and how much we hate winter. And there's this, this pattern in life that we've talked about many times about the seasons of life. I mean, my philosophy on life is pretty simple. Um, life is a series of choices that you make and life is a series of seasons that you have to go through. And seasons are, are difficult sometimes because sometimes there's great seasons and then sometimes there's bad seasons. Just like fall is amazing and winter is terrible. And many of us, we will go through seasons of life just like the weather or the seasons that we go through annually where we have a really good season and then we have a really bad season. And all of us in this room, as we've talked about before, will endure seasons of life where it doesn't go the way that we hoped or the way that we thought it would go. 
fact, this whole series that we've been through, this, this Ember series, is talking about stories of faith of real men and women who experience this in life, where things aren't always happening the way that they hoped and the time that they hoped the way that they hoped. And the question comes up that we've talked about, do you trust God even in these seasons? And, and for all of us in this room, if you're a person of faith, you've had a season where you ask God for something and maybe it didn't turn out the way that you hoped, or maybe God didn't respond the way that you hoped. In fact, there's this quote that I love from Tim Keller. He says this, and we've used this before, but I love this quote. He says this. He says, no matter what precautions we take, no matter how well we have put together a good life, no matter how hard we have worked to be healthy, wealthy, comfortable with friends and family, uh, successful with our career, something will inevitably ruin it. Something will come along and kind of mess up the situation that we thought we found ourselves in. And the reality is, you may not know this, it's all of us. All of us will experience these things. And we could just end right there with that quote, because I love that quote from Tim Keller, that, that you're not alone, that all of us will go through this, and you learn something. Because here's what you have to learn in life. It's not just you. It's all of us. We all go through these things. And sometimes the problem that we find ourselves in when it comes to holding on to our faith or just holding on to reality or even holding on to ourselves is when we're going through something, sometimes we feel like we're the only one. And the reality is, is that we're not. And then the faith side of things, this whole series is based on this idea that when we go through things, the problem is that when it comes to our relationship with God, um, we feel like life should be easy. And then it's not, and so we have all these questions and doubts and concerns. And then, like, we talk to people, you know, and sometimes and they'll say things like, you just need to have more faith, right? And you're like, come on, that's not really helpful sometimes, is it? Or maybe somebody might say you need to give more, or you need to pray harder, or you need to get rid of sin, or whatever it is. And, and here's what those answers often make us feel like. Whatever we're going through, it's our fault, because we're not praying hard enough, we don't have enough faith, we're not doing things right. And so it makes us have this feeling like something is wrong with me. Something's wrong with me. And so we're going through this really tough season, maybe some of us, and we've talked about this before. And then like, you know, you talk to people and, and they give you advice that you, they think is supposed to help you, but it doesn't really help sometimes. Or, or maybe you've been in this situation like I have before where you're really going through a hard thing. And then you'll sit around with somebody in a small group or at a church or like just having coffee with somebody. And they'll tell you this story about how like they were late for something and they had to run into Target to get something. And they were praying that God would open up a parking spot and he did. And God is good, right? And you're like, shut up, right? Like that has not helped me in this situation. And maybe some of you, this is the problem, is you were going through something and, and all of a sudden now you have all these feelings that we talked about a couple weeks ago, the feeling of guilt, and it's not easy to deal with this because we feel like God is silent or absent, or maybe we feel like something's wrong with us, that the reason we're going through this is, is our fault. And the reality is, and we talk about this, there are consequences for every choice that we make, but in these deeper things, sometimes it feels like God maybe isn't responding the way that we hoped or there. And so there goes our hope, there goes our faith, and we're trying to hold on to something and we don't even know how to hold on to it. So there's a story in the Bible that we've shared before, but, but I love it. And, and I love this. He, he's probably one of my favorite people 
that hopefully I get to meet one day. Um, but it's the story of this guy named John the Baptist. Um, if you're not familiar with John the Baptist, he's the cousin of Jesus. He's kind of the forerunner um, for Jesus. In fact, he's doing ministry as Jesus is kind of coming onto the scene. And so he's this interesting guy, like he lives out in the woods, he's got like this big beard, we think, and he's this hairy guy, and he lives on, you know, locusts and honey, like he would fit in Bullock County really well. And so uh, he's just kind of this crazy guy that kind of lives off the lane. I'm not saying that to make fun of him, like this is the opposite of me, I wish I could be like this guy. And so, um, but the background is, is that all of this story we see at the beginning of Jesus and ministry comes on the tales of a guy named Herod the Great. And Herod the Great is kind of put in kind of places, this kind of like king figure over this region of the world by Rome. And he is not a good guy. Like he's actually, he's a great builder. Um, He actually builds up kind of this area and helps them to prosper, but he's a terrible human being. Um, So so much that we know about Herod, not only does he do great things, but he also um, murdered two of his wives, okay? Um, We think two to three of his sons may have been murdered um, or allowed to be murdered under his watch. And just for fun, a couple of mother-in-laws he had killed, okay? So if you ever wanted to kill your mother-in-law, it's in the Bible. I'm just kidding. So, um, and so it was a joke, all right? And so, uh, in fact, Caesar actually quoted when he knew about Herod the Great. He said, it is better to be one of his swans, one of his pigs, than to be one of his sons, because you just never knew where you stood. And, and clearly killing his wives, mother-in-laws, and brothers. I mean, anybody that stands against this guy, you might be on the list. In fact, Herod the Great is the guy that we know that put in this decree that when he hears about this king that's born, that's going to be the king of all kings, he's the one that puts in the decree that the children in this region should be killed, the little boys in Bethlehem. This guy had such a bad reputation that um, he had this plan in place when he got into bad health was he said, what I want you to do, because when I die, nobody's going to be upset. So what I want you to do is I want you to round up all of these well-respected people in the region, and I want you to put them in prison. And the day that I die, I want you to murder all of them so that there will be mourning in the land on the day that I die. I mean, that's how diabolical this guy was. Hey, round up all the good people, kill them on the day that I die, so at least somebody will be shedding a tear. It doesn't have to be for me, but at least somebody will be upset. Well, the story goes that the day that, that Herod actually died, they released everybody and there was a giant party. So it worked against him. Um, but this guy, if you're not understanding, he wasn't exactly warm and fuzzy, okay? Pretty terrible guy. Now, when his kingdom gets broken up, uh, he, he doesn't want anybody else to be the king, So he actually takes this territory that he's over and he divides it up amongst his three sons, uh, Herod Archelaus, Herod Antipas, and Herod Philip. Okay, and so he takes his three sons. He doesn't make any of them king over anything because he was the only one that thought he should be the king. This is kind of how this guy works. So he's got a problem though after it is his three brothers, uh, Herod Herod Archelaus is probably the most famous of the ones as far as the land he got to rule. You don't know much about him, um, but his other son, Herod Antipas, um, maybe you've heard some about. Now, he has a problem. Um, He's in love with his brother's wife, okay? Her name is Herodias, which is a terrible name for a woman, okay? And so he's in love with Herodias, um, and so, uh, so she leaves her husband, Herod Philip, to go be with this other brother, Okay, Jerry Springer got nothing on this family. Okay, so there's a problem here is just like in our culture, this wouldn't be well received. You shouldn't actually leave, you know, your brother, okay, this guy to go marry his brother. Okay, and and so now she's the queen of Galilee and John the Baptist is on the scene in this region and he's like not having any of this. 
Because even though Herod is the king that's put in place by Rome, he's supposed to be this Jewish king. And clearly this is against the way that they believe that men and women should live. And so John the Baptist goes around and is like preaching openly against this. Now, the funny thing about this story is, is that he's preaching against this and um, Herodias hates this guy. Like she's like, this guy's making me look bad. For some reason, Herod Antipas, he likes it. Like, and I don't know if it's like this thing where like he, he, that John the Baptist is so different than him that like he's like, man, this guy's crazy. I like this guy. Um, but he, he actually kind of likes John and, and respects him. Um, but his wife wants John put to death. Okay? And so this is kind of the background of this story. There's all of this drama with the government and politically, but now there's this, gover- this struggle between John the Baptist and, and this couple. All right? And so in Mark chapter 6, verse 17, it says this. For Herod had sent soldiers to arrest and imprison John as a favor to Herodias. She had been his brother Philip's wife. So there's the story. But Herod had married her. John had been telling Herod, it is against God's law for you to marry your brother's wife. Because we shouldn't have to tell people that, but it's not good. So Herodias bore a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. But without Herod's approval, she was powerless. For Herod respected John, and knowing that he was a good and holy man, he protected him. Herod was greatly disturbed whenever he talked with John, but even so, he liked to listen to him. And so John's arrested, but he doesn't want to kill him because he's a holy man. But on top of this, he also knows that everybody loves John. And so if he kills John, he's going to be just like his dad. He kind of gets this reputation of this evil kind of wicked guy. And so John, at this point, has been to this point, Jesus kind of like right-hand man. The forerunner of Jesus. Even the way we started this series, the early disciples, a lot of them were actually John's disciples that then became Jesus' disciples. But here is John, Jesus' cousin, forerunner, kind of partner in crime here in this ministry. And now he's stuck in prison. His season has changed. And it changed really fast. And so it was good. And now he's in prison. And so here's what happens next in Matthew 11. When Jesus had finished giving these instructions to his 12 disciples, he went out to teach and preach in towns throughout the region. John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. So Jesus is doing all of these like amazing things. Like we, we, the stories we read, like the reputation of Jesus is starting to grow in this region. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, okay, because he's in prison. Jesus is doing all these amazing things for everybody else. Here's the question. Are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? Now, leave that up there. Think about the context of this question. John has been the one telling everybody who Jesus is. He's the guy that said when Jesus wanted to baptize that he's not even willing to tie his shoes. Like that's how much awesomer Jesus was. Like Jesus is all of everything we've been expecting and more. So think about that. All of this time, John has been propping up Jesus, telling everybody about Jesus. But now his circumstances changed. And it's not good. And so all of a sudden, his faith, Start to be in question. Jesus, are, are you really? Because see, everything was good. Like I was John the Baptist. I had this reputation. I'm the wild guy that eats the honey and the locust and the big beard and everybody loves me, you know, like all this. And now all of a sudden he's in prison. And so all of a sudden 
Are you the one? And, and here's, here's why I love this story and I love working through this, this, this tension here. Because I think for all of us, we're going to have seasons, no matter how faithful we are, when something's going to happen. And we're going to be tempted to ask this question. Jesus, are you the Messiah? Or should we be looking for someone else? Isn't it interesting that when our circumstances change, all of a sudden our faith and confidence in God starts to change? When things are good, things are good. When things are bad, we start to ask some questions. And none of us are immune to this. Seasons change, circumstances change, and our faith seems to change. We've talked about this before. There isn't a person that's hearing my voice right now or listening to this later that couldn't get a phone call right now that your whole world would be turned upside down. Or maybe for some of us, your marriage is just barely hanging on and you're praying and praying things are going to turn around. Or maybe you lost your job over the past couple years and you're looking and hustling and trying to make it, but there doesn't seem to be any good prospects. Or maybe you've got a son or a daughter or it's going through some stuff and you keep praying to God, but it doesn't seem to be working out. Or maybe you got the diagnosis or you know somebody that's got a diagnosis or something's going on. And all of a sudden, your situation's changed. And you're going through this really, really rough season. And all of a sudden now, everything's looking a little bit different. And so the question, maybe you've never vocalized it, maybe you just needed John to vocalize it for you, is, hey, Jesus, you know, when I put my trust and my faith in you, I thought this was going to be different. And so are you the Messiah, or should we keep looking someone else? Now, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings or offend anybody, but let's just do it for fun. Um, there's a very self-centered and maybe even selfish kind of thing that's happening when we lose our trust and faith in God when something's happening to us. And the reason it's a little self-centered and maybe even a little selfish is this. Because see, here's the thing. See, when it's happening to us, all of a sudden now it's fair game. All of the questions, all of the questioning of who Jesus is and his motives and God and can God and will God, all of a sudden all that stuff's on the table when it's me. But do you know what happens when I have a trusted friend or loved one or maybe even one of you guys that come to me and talk to me about your life problems? You know what I'll say? You just got to pray more. Here's a devotional for you to read. You just got to be strong. You got to believe that there's a reason for this. And isn't it a little bit odd that when it's somebody else for us of faith, our response is, well, you just got to have more faith. You got to believe that there's a reason. You got to believe God's in control. But then when it's us, all of a sudden everything's on the table. Or how about this, like when we hear these tragic things that happen in the world, like sure, there's a questioning of, of God, like when we hear about tsunami, tsunami, tsunamis, tsunamis and hurricanes and wars in other places that wrecks the lives of so many people, and those things are happening, like they're, they're happening all the time. There might be a, a moment where you question, like why would God let that happen? But it doesn't ruin your faith, does it? No, in fact, you know what we say? We need to pray for those people. We need to pray for those countries. We need to pray for those leaders of those countries. We need to pray for others. That they find strength and peace in God. But then when it's me, and it's my life that feels turned upside down, 
and it's in my situation that isn't working out, I lose faith where it seems weak or maybe it seems turned upside down. I lose faith when God is inattentive to the things that I want. But when it's your stuff, I don't lose faith in that at all. So in a season of pain, a season of turmoil, and a season where our faith starts to shrink down to the size of what we're going through. And, and here's, what, so you know, here's what's going on with John. John has experienced amazing things. John has done amazing things. John, as you saw in the beginning of the verse, he even knows all of the amazing things that Jesus is doing. Like everything that John prophesied about what Jesus is able to do is actually happening. But here's the thing. All of a sudden, his world, his view, his faith, the blinders have come on and it's shrunk down to that prison cell. And that's all he sees. And that's all he thinks about. So the question is, and we can't blame him because we would do the same thing. Are you the one or should we expect someone else? Now, here's what happens next in that story, right? Because you think in a story like this, what would happen next, because we know what Jesus is capable of doing, is that Jesus would be like, you know what? I forgot, mistake, I messed up. Let's go get John right now. In fact, better yet, we don't even have to go get John. I can just snap my fingers and John's out of prison. How awesome would that be, right? That's what we would want to happen for us and for John. But here's what Jesus says, verse four. You go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. You go tell John, hey, all that stuff that was said about me and what I'm capable of doing and all the stuff that John was super pumped about me being able to do and telling other people what I could do, it's happening. Now, there's an interesting thing that happens here that without a little bit of careful study, you wouldn't pick up on. When Jesus says this thing about the blind, the lame, the lepers are cured, all this, these are prophecies that are made in Isaiah, particularly in verse chapter 35 and 42, about the things that the Messiah, the light, will be able to do in the world. That he'll be able to have the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, all this stuff. But there's one little thing that happens in chapter 42 of Isaiah that Jesus omits right here. And do you know what that is? And the prisoners will be set free. And he doesn't say it. Report back to him everything that you hear and see. And all that's happening around him. But not to him. See, John can't hear past the prison cell. And can't, can't hear past the prison. And can't see past his cell. And to be fair, neither can most of us. So you go and tell him all that is going on, and here's the part we don't like, outside of him. Not to him, but outside of him. You go report everything that's going on, right? And the reason this is difficult is because, see, when it comes to us, we want it to happen inside of us. See, that's what faith is, right? Like God's going to do all this stuff for me. Side note, let's be honest. Sometimes I'm not as concerned what God's doing for you. It's what God's doing for me. And, and, and so John all of a sudden is having this moment where God's not doing for him what he thinks he should do for him. And so his blinders go on to all that God's doing outside of him. Now, now here's why this is important. See, 
what's amazing about what Kinesis Call does in Aconda and what we're doing in Guatemala and all this stuff is, is see, here's the reality. We get in this place, and, and don't get political, so don't read into this more than it is. We get into this place where we're like, what's going on in this country, right? Listen, God is moving all around the world. And even here, I would argue. That's why I think it's important sometimes you get a passport and go to another country and see all that God is doing. Because the temptation for you and for me is to be like John and, and forget that, no, it's not just about what God can do for me. It's about what God's doing everywhere. God is still moving. God is on the throne in spite of the things that we're going through. The, the other side of this is that just like John, many of us forget all of the stuff that God's already done for us. Because again, when we're going through pain, the blinders come on and all we see is that moment. And so John, Jesus gives John a reminder, not only for him, but I think even more importantly for us is to always remember, listen, it's not always about what God's doing inside of you. It's also about what God's doing around you. And so they're walking back with this unfortunate news. And then there's this line that Jesus out of the blue just kind of says. And, and when you read it and we read it together, it's going to seem so insensitive because we already know, and they would have known these verses, that Jesus just omitted the part where he sets prisoners free. But he stops his disciples, and here's what he says in verse 6. And you tell John, God blesses those who do not turn away because of me. Now, can we be honest? How insensitive does that sound? Right? But I think the reason that this line is in that story is simply this. Because Jesus is sending a message, not only for John, but for also for us. See, the temptation when we go through things is to think, well, God doesn't like us. God doesn't care about us. The, the temptation is to think, well, the reason I'm going through this is because why would God waste this time on me? I know what I've done. I know what I've said. And so the temptation is, is that we have this feeling that when we go through things like this, it's because God doesn't like us. God doesn't care. God's not listening. God is inattentive to us. Maybe there's something wrong with me. And so maybe the reason that, that Jesus isn't doing for John what he wants him to do is because he just doesn't like him. And maybe this is the line that signifies that. Except for this, in verse 11, just a little bit later, here's what he says. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, which is everybody, in case you didn't know, um, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Jesus says, this is the greatest person to ever live. So why is he still in prison? Why is he still there? And here's what I wrestled with, and, and here's why I love this story when we go through seasons of hard times. And, and here's why I think that this story has meant so much to me over the years, and hopefully maybe for you. And this is why this story has actually um, brought me some peace, as weird as this is going to sound. See, my belief is that John the Baptist was going into prison no matter how much faith he had. John the Baptist was going to be in prison no matter how obedient he was. Because for whatever reason, John's going to be in this prison. And why didn't Jesus rescue him? I don't know. I have no clue. Couldn't even guess. But here's what I do know about this story. It wasn't because he didn't love John. Now catch that. I don't know why he stayed in prison. I don't know why Jesus didn't rescue him. But here's what I do know. I do know it wasn't because he didn't love him. 
And I knew it wasn't based on how he felt about him, which I think is great news for you and I, because Jesus says, this is the greatest person that's ever lived. And he's still got to go through it. He's still got to go through this. See, our personal circumstances in the season of life you may find yourself in, here's why this is important. It has nothing to do with what God thinks about you. He loves you. Here is John, the greatest person to ever live, going through an incredibly tough season, and we cannot lose sight of that. Because like John, when we're in a tough season or seasons of change and things get harder, the temptation is to think that God doesn't care, God doesn't like me, God has something against me. Our temptation is to think our circumstances is connected to how God feels about you. And that's simply not true. I don't know why this side of life and may never know why some of us have to go through some of the things we have to go through. But I do know it's not because God doesn't love you or care about you. This story doesn't end well for John. In fact, shortly after all this will happen, see, these stories that we've been reading, like they all end well. This one doesn't. Shortly after this, um, he'll be put to death by this ignorant behavior of a drunken group of people at a party. But after that, after that, Jesus himself will be arrested, falsely accused, given a criminal's death, and executed in the most horrific, horrible way possible. Now, why do I make those connections? Here's why. Because any discussion of how pain and suffering fit into God's scheme ultimately has to lead back to the cross, according to Philippiancy. In fact, Tim Keller, the guy we quoted earlier, he said this, suffering is actually at the heart of the Christian story. So life happens. And here's why I tell you all that, and here's why I point it back to the cross. Because whatever you're going through doesn't determine how God feels about you. God determined how he felt about you when he put Jesus on that cross. God determined how he felt about us when Jesus died on the cross for us. When the ultimate sacrifice of love was made, that is the proof of how God feels about you. Not what's happening at work right now or at school or in your love life or even in your body or whatever season you're in. What God thinks about you is not based on your circumstances, but rather on the cross. And here's why I think this application is important in seasons of hard times. is because when we go through hard seasons, hard times, we have to take the blinders off and we have to see that other things are going on. Maybe that's why Jesus said what he said to John the Baptist is to try as hard as he can to look outside of himself and realize there's a bigger story going on. There's more to this. The other thing I think that's important sometimes when we're going through hard things is to remind ourselves that it's not always about us. It's about what God's doing in this world outside of us. One man once said, a wise sufferer will not look inward but outward. There is more effective healer than a wounded healer. And in the process, the wounded healer, healer's own scars may fade away. See, see, what's interesting is sometimes when we're going through stuff, and I think this is why Jesus says this, John, we have to remind ourselves that it's not just about us. But there's other things that God is doing in this world. 
Recently, there's several studies that have came out, and I don't have time to link all of them, but some of the things have come up. And what they found is that people that are going through hard seasons of life, through hard things, through difficult things, they have a couple of choices. They can give up and just give into the circumstances and be miserable. Or what they found is alternative, is the people going through hard things can actually get involved in other things. They can continue to give. They can get involved in other people and other situations who are going through pain. And what they found in these studies is that when someone going through a hard time reminds themselves that it's not just about them and they still continue to get involved in the greater story of the good that's happening in this world, when they get outside of themselves, they have a better quality of life. Some studies have even shown that people that have diseases and things like that, that would ultimately end their life, that their life tends to last longer when they get outside of themselves. There was one study about a guy who had tinnitus. I don't know it. I've never had tinnitus. It sounds awful. It's a ringing in your ear constantly. And the study found this guy that, that, that it was constant and all the time. I mean, it was this thing that just didn't go away. He couldn't sleep at night. He could barely eat because of this tinnitus going on and on and on. And what they found was that he got involved in volunteering at a hospital. And what they found was the more that he got outside of his own head about his suffering, the better he felt. And the more that he got outside of himself, the less the tinnitus bothered him. Across the board, all of these studies talked about how much more manageable people's pain was when they got outside of themselves and got involved in the world around them, when they didn't allow their pain and suffering to stop them from moving forward. I think the point of John's story here is to not allow ourselves and our situation to shrink our world down to the size of what we're just going through. And maybe more importantly, for us not allow ourselves to shrink our God down to the size of the problems we're going through. There's this great line that Jesus gives us that I want to end on. It's in John 16, 33. And it's a verse we've used before, but here's what he says. He says this, I have told you all of this. Well, what is all of this? Everything Jesus has told us. So that you may have peace in me. So that you don't have to deal with the question of are you the one or should we look somewhere else? Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart because I have overcome the world. Jesus, through his death on the cross, determined once and for all how God felt about each and every single one of us. That we are loved, that we're valued, we're worth fighting for. And even though you're going through a tough season now or go through a tough season later, it doesn't determine how God feels about you. And sometimes what we have to do is learn to look outside of ourselves and see the greater story of what God is doing, not just for us, but for everyone. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you. God, we... Um, we thank you for stories like this, that they're, they're just kind of a weird story, but just in the way in, in which we see that um, you work, God, that you're this big God, that you work outside of us. Um, and sometimes we just have to be reminded of that, that when we go through terrible situations or hard things, that, that God, that you're still a God that's working through people around us. And maybe even through those outside ways, you're actually working on us. So God, my prayer is that we continue to have the strength that when the blinders go on, when life gets hard, we don't just shrink. We don't allow our faith just to, 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 to burn out. But we look at the bigger picture, the bigger story. We continue to have trust and faith in who you are and the God that you are. God, my prayer right now is just that in these next few minutes as we sing these songs, 
that these words connect in our hearts and our minds. That even if we're going through a tough season right now, we, we don't lose sight of how big you are, how you've brought us through things in the past personally, but also how you're continuing to work not only through the world, but around the people around us, maybe even in this very room. How you continue to love us and, and give to us, God, and how you proved ultimately once and for all how much you love us through the cross. That we can never put the cross aside, but we will put it front and center to remind ourselves of the love and sacrifice that you have for us, the care you have for us. So Father God, my prayer is that that our faith continues to grow. And God, my prayer is in these next few minutes that there's a voice maybe that's spoken to some of us that encourages us and lifts us up to continue to have faith even in this tough season. So we love you and we thank you. In your son's name we pray, amen.